0: Amen. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter three, verses seven and eight. The very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter three, verses seven and eight. The title of my sermon today is The One Who Controls the Doors. The One Who Controls the Doors. Let's stand in honor of God's Word. Once you get get that, let's stand in honor of God's Word. When I hear the pages that stop rustling. We'll share that scripture together. This is Jesus speaking to the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, and that's not Pennsylvania, just in case y'all needed to know that. And To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you'll be glorified in the message today. It's always all about you. It's never about us. No matter how much we think we deserve the spotlight, Lord, you're the only one who deserves the spotlight. Father, we pray you'll be glorified today as the one who controls the doors, the only one. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Ever since Christmas Day 2016, I knew there'd be a possibility that God would be moving us back toward Mississippi. On that day, we realized Cindy's mother's health needed greater care. Cindy would need to be more available. In March of 2017, God gave me the peace and permission to begin looking for places of service closer to home. However, God did not open any doors until recently. In November of 2018, God very clearly opened a door for us to return to Mississippi and on December 30th. I accepted the call to be the pastor of Hebron Baptist Church in Soso, Mississippi. If you wonder where Soso is, I'm going to let you Google it, but I'm going to ask you not to do it during the sermon. My last Sunday in the pulpit will be January 20th. My first day of service at Hebron will be February the 1st. This is my official resignation to you as a church family, as your pastor. I leave with a mixture of joy, gratefulness, and sorrow. I am joyful that God has answered our prayers to provide a place of service close enough to Cindy's mom and our son that we will be able to see and serve them more often. I am grateful for God's provision through all of this and I am sincerely grateful for the way he has blessed us as a family with so many lasting friendships here at Rosenberg. I am sorrowful for many things, especially those things that were left unfinished. But we serve a God who opens and closes doors, and He will provide just what you as a church need in the days ahead. It has truly been my blessing to serve as your pastor, and I am grateful that I have been able to serve our Lord alongside of each of you. I truly love you all very much. Because I believe... Open doors don't only apply to those in ministry, but apply to every, everybody, every believer. I want to take a moment and look at what the Bible says about opening closed doors. This isn't an exhaustive list, but these passages are adequate to get you and I thinking about the fact that God places doors in front of us every day. Some of these doors are closed and will remain that way, but some are open. Well, what is an open door? This is my definition. An open door is an opportunity to respond to some situation or circumstance in our lives. It can be a new job offer. It can be the birth of a new child. It can be a a financial gift you receive. It is an opportunity to respond to a specific instance in your life in a way that will bring honor and glory to God. It's an open door. What's a closed door. A closed door is when God takes away an opportunity that you had to respond to something or God never makes the opportunity to respond to a situation available. I was thinking this past week about the first part of the Bible and doors that are open and closed aren't always physical or literal doors. I thought about in fact when Adam and Eve sinned, God closed the door to the garden. You remember that? I think about the fact that God was the one who closed the door to the ark. I thought about an open door when God took them to the edge of the Red Sea and they had no idea how they were going to get across. And what did God do? He opened the door. I think about the fact that God didn't just open a door but knocked down an entire wall when he brought the city of Jericho to the people of God. So God is the one who controls the doors. Now, not all open doors are from God. Not every job offer. Not every opportunity may be from God. It may be God permitting something, not to tempt us, but to test us, or God allowing something to come along in our lives. But not all open doors are from God. Not all closed doors are bad things. It is possible open doors can be a test from God. And it's possible closed doors can be a blessing from God. So I want to make six observations, and you have the first one up there. And see how we ought to respond to open doors today. And we're just going to look straight through these passages and I believe you have them in your worship guide. And the first one I want you to see is taken from our focal passage. Jesus keeps doors open or closed as long as He wants. Let me just read our passage again. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things says, He who is holy, he who is true. That's Jesus. He who has the key of David... That means He's the King of Israel. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. And then He says to them and to this angel, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus Christ has the power to open the doors in our life. And He has the power to open the doors of our life and to close them. No one nobody can make him open a door if he wants it closed or close a door if he wants it open. Sometimes we act in life like we can make things happen. We act like we can do things on our own timetable as well, and that is simply not true. God is in complete control, and any opportunities we have are only there because he has allowed them to be And he is not obligated to give you opportunities because you think you deserve it or you've earned it. One of the the things that we often tell kids that I think is untrue biblically is we tell them anything you set your mind to, you can do. Anybody ever heard that statement before? Anything you can set your mind to, you can do. That sounds great and it's very inspirational, but here's my question. What if God has closed the door and there's nothing you can do to open it? See, the fact is God is the one who controls the doors. Well, is there any control that we have at all? Well, I would point you to the latter part of the passage if you want to have any control over the doors. He says this, See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. And then he tells them why they have this open door. For you have a little strength You have kept my word and have not denied my name. You want God to open doors for you, his doors? Be faithful to him. Amen? Be faithful to him. Jesus keeps doors open or closed as long as he wants. And number two, open doors can mean greater problems and greater opportunities. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul says this, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. I would think that Pentecost in Ephesus would be a great time to bridge the gap between Jews and Christians by sharing what God did in Jerusalem on that first Christian Pentecost, do you remember that first Christian Pentecost when 3,000 were saved on that day? Open doors do mean, can mean, greater opportunities. This word for effective is the idea of productive and active. But they can also mean greater opposition. When God is most at work and where God is most at work, Satan is going to be the most at work as well. The potential for productive work for the kingdom will get Satan's attention more than the routine religious rituals of a dead church. When the church is active and alive, opposition will arise from within the church as well and from outside the church. Paul even warned this same Ephesian church in Acts 20 to be warned for wolves would come in. So the opposition wasn't just outward, it was inward. So understand, if God provides you an open door, that doesn't mean it'll be easier. It may mean it'll be harder. Jesus keeps doors open or closed as long as he wants. Open doors can mean greater problems and opportunities. And number three, an open door doesn't always mean a permanent situation. Or a permanent solution, if I can add that word as well. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 12, and 13. 2 Corinthians 2, 12, and 13. He says to the Corinthians, he says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord... My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Just think about that. Not all doors mean permanent situations or permanent solutions. Paul had a troubled spirit. He went through this open door, went to Troas, but he had a troubled spirit. His spirit did not find rest because he did not See his brother Titus there. And the fact was, it was not a permanent situation because there was no, for him, there was no brotherly support. This shows us that no open door is a situational silver bullet. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Sometimes, if you have a new job offer or a new opportunity or an open door in your life, there can be the temptation to think, well, this is it. I finally have it. I finally have that job. I finally have this. I finally have that. But can I tell you that just because you have an open door doesn't mean that's a permanent solution to the situation or that it's a permanent situation. We see that with Paul. But you go through that door and you be sensitive to what God is doing in the process. What I mean by that is that open doors in and of themselves do not guarantee that we will live happily ever after when we go through them. It's the reality of things. If you want to find support in that open door, it's good to know that you have support on the other side of it. Brotherly support. A Titus was what Paul needed. Jesus, so, so let me remind you, Jesus keeps doors open or closed as long as he wants. Open doors can mean greater problems and opportunities, both of those. An open door doesn't always mean a permanent situation. And I would propose to you number four, our greatest reason for the open door is the gospel. Your greatest reason for the open door is the gospel. Here's what he says in Colossians 4, 3 and 4. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Why do you desire an open door? Why do we desire an open door? We can do it for many reasons. For instance, you may desire an open door for financial reasons. And I'm not saying that any of these are wrong. But these are reasons. We desire open doors in our lives. For instance, it could be financial reasons. Maybe it's a a better financial situation. It may be for family reasons. Certainly, that plays into the decision that, that we've made with regard to moving back to Mississippi. It can be for faith reasons. It may strengthen or grow your faith or a step of faith in order to do that. And it can be a combination of those or it can be any of those. But I want to propose to you that the gospel is the greatest reason to desire an open door. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever the open door is, it's an opportunity to share the gospel in a clear and concise way. The opportunity to share the word of God and to do so with clarity and purpose is what Paul is praying from, from prison. From prison he's praying. That God would give him an open door for the gospel and for clarity. And notice that he's in prison. An open door of the gospel is not hindered by our situation. It's possible that Paul's imprisonment actually encouraged the spread of the gospel. What I want to leave you with is the fact that no matter how many open doors we get in our life, if our greatest desire for an open door comes from a desire to share the gospel, then in that desire, God will be most glorified. And He, I believe, will provide doors of opportunity and availability to you. Jesus keeps doors open or closed as long as He wants. Open doors can mean greater problems and opportunities. An open door doesn't always mean a permanent situation. Our greatest reason for the open door is the gospel. And Number five, Jesus sometimes is on the other side of an open door. Jesus sometimes is on the other side of an open door. Many of you are going to be familiar with this passage. Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20. Behold, Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and what? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now, many Christians are familiar with this passage as a salvation passage, but it's not a salvation passage. It is an invitation from Jesus to a lukewarm church, the Laodicean church, to renew their fellowship with him by opening the door upon which he is knocking. He's knocking on a door. He's speaking through that door and he's saying, you let me come in and be involved with you and and be integral to what's going on in your life. Somehow Jesus had got put outside the door of church life. And when you read about the layout of seeing church, it's a church that thought they had it all together. But Jesus even speaks to them and says, you think you can see, but you can't. You think you're rich, but you're not. And in the midst of that, he says, If you will simply open the door and let me come in, we will have renewed fellowship. Sometimes the difference between moving for a Christian and a church, sometimes the difference between moving from being lukewarm to being in a deep relationship with Jesus is simply opening the door of opportunity upon which Jesus is knocking. Now, Jesus, the one who controls the doors, has every right to knock down the door. Can we agree on that? But that's not what he's shooting for. He's shooting for relationship. And relationship implies a two-way street. So out of his grace, his mercy, and his love toward us, he waits outside the door of churches who've put him aside, and he knocks. And he says, if you'll let me in, we'll have deeper fellowship. If you'll let me in, there'll be something that you've not had in a while. And I believe that's the key as we look at open and closed doors. The one who who controls the doors chooses to leave this door in Revelation 3, this door up to us. You notice that? He can open it. He can knock it down. But he says to the church... I'm going to let you decide if you want me to be the most important thing or not. You've got to open the door. I think that applies to Christians. It applies to churches. And I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But if it is lukewarm, if you're neither cold or hot, you're not on fire for God, then I would suggest to you that whether you hear him or not, he is knocking and he is calling, and he is waiting for you to open the door to let him in. Because he's the one who controls the doors. And sometimes, Jesus is on the other side of that door waiting for you. Church, is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart? Is that knocking a desire for a renewed relationship with him? Are you willing to open the door and let him come in? Jesus keeps doors open or closed as long as he wants. It's in his hands. Open doors can mean great problems, but they can also mean great opportunities. An open door doesn't always mean a permanent situation. Our greatest reason for the open door is the gospel. Jesus sometimes is on the other side of an open door. And the last thing I want you to see today is this. Jesus is the most important door you can ever open. Now, you may not think about Jesus as a door, but Jesus called himself a door. Did you know that? John chapter 10, he says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the picture Jesus is drawing for them is the picture of a sheep corral where all the sheep are in. And there is an opening. And in that opening, what a shepherd would do is he would sit or sleep in that opening and literally serve as the doorway or the door between what went in and what went out of that sheepfold. And Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the door. You've got to acknowledge that Jesus is the greatest open door that God has ever given us. He's the greatest opportunity that God has ever given us. He is God's open door to all who seek eternal life. If anyone enters that door, Jesus himself said that. If anyone enters that door, he will be what? Saved. (coughs) So my question to you is this. Have you entered the door of Jesus? Not the door of religion. Not the door of church membership. Not the door of good works. None of those will save you. But have you entered the door of Jesus? Because the door of Jesus is what saves. Amen? The door of Jesus is what saves. That door is the only way of salvation. We must acknowledge our need for that door. There isn't an alternative way to salvation. There isn't another door or even a window available. I've heard... Some people comment and say, well, if God doesn't provide a door, he'll open a window. That's a, that's a lovely thought, but spiritually the truth is there's only one door to eternal life. His name is Jesus Christ. Period. Period. And some will say, well, it what was it fair of God to only provide one way? No. No, it wasn't fair of God to only provide one way. Frankly, if God was going to be fair, he wouldn't have provided any way. Did you know that? But he provided a way that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus is the one who controls the doors. We serve a Savior who opens doors that no one can shut, And shuts doors no one can open. He knows your works. And he has set before you an open door. No one can shut it. Are you ready to enter that door? I want to leave you with these final three questions. And I'm done. Is Jesus your doorway to eternal life? Because he is the doorway. Is Jesus maybe knocking on the door of your heart, desiring deeper fellowship? and waiting on you to open the door. Are you going through the doors Jesus has opened for you? Because, beloved, Jesus is the one who controls the doors. Let's pray. I don't know where you are in your relationship to the Lord today, but I pray that if you've never gone through the door of Jesus, then you'll do that today. That door is open and available to whosoever will. Why don't you do that today? Maybe you're a believer and your walk is lukewarm with the Lord and it's not what it should be, and Jesus is just a knocking and he's saying, I want to fellowship with you, I want to walk closer with you, but, but I'm going to leave it up to you, child of God, for you to open the door. Let me in. Let me in. Why don't you do that as an individual? as a church, but as an individual. And maybe God has provided you an open door and you've hesitated to go through. Go through it. God's provided it. Go through it. Maybe God's closed the door and you're just a banging on that door. Stop that. God didn't want you to do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because Jesus is the one who controls the doors. i want to pray with us and for us After that we'll have our time of invitation if God has spoken to your heart now is your time to respond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father Lord I just pray that you would please speak to the hearts of those that are here today and Lord speak to all of our hearts and help us to see how you provide the doorways the opportunities Lord that you're in complete control. Father we just ask that you go with us today, and I ask that you convict our hearts of where we are. Are you in the room with us, or have we left you outside the door? Help us, Lord. Father, If we hear you calling. Help us to respond. In your name we pray. Amen.